your business is only as good as your ability to connect your value with the people who need that value. Yes, we're talking about selling. This week, I'm joined by sales trainer to the stars, Victoria Fleming, and she's going to walk us through a few things we can all do to instantly raise our sales game. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then welcome along. Just take a second right now to subscribe in your player so you don't miss new episodes and you can grab some older ones after this one. Don't forget to join our Facebook community. Just visit the shortcut URL amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. So welcome along and let's meet Victoria. So this week I'm joined by Victoria Fleming from Buzztastic. Victoria, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do. Yeah, so um, my name's Victoria. Um, so that's always a good start, isn't it? Um, and I work with businesses essentially helping them to sell more. I think that's probably the headline. Um, I'm one of those people who I, I love to sell. I, I see it as, as my mission in life to help other people love to sell, whoever they are and whatever it is, that it is they do. So um, yeah, that's, that's really what I do one way or the other. And I had a little stalk through your LinkedIn profile and it talks about, it's, it's quite unashamedly, you aim to help deliver stratospheric sales <laughs> results. There's no modesty there. <laughs> I really like that. You know what? The thing is, is that in sales, there's not really anywhere to hide. You know, the bottom line is, it's about the numbers and numbers don't lie really. So, you know, the, the, the challenge that you have working in, in this space is, is that people will see the results on their numbers. And I think that you've got to be all in on that. And, you know, I expect the people that I'm working with, be it a, a large corporate um, or, you know, the small, some of the small businesses I work with, you know, I expect to see a result on their bottom line, on those figures that are coming through their business. Um, so, yeah, to me, it's really important that, um, you know, you can transform your, form your results remarkably quickly, actually, in the sales front. But equally, you know, I'm very, you know, I'm very well aware that I'm always held to account on the numbers. So, yeah, I am quite bold about that. But it's because that that is what I deliver. I change people's results, um, which is exciting. So what does a typical client engagement look like for you? I mean, there's a couple of questions to unpack there. A, what does a typical client look like? And B, what are you, what, what is it you're actually doing on the ground with them? Yeah, so um, normally the, the general kind of client that I work with um, has maybe got anything from uh, three or four salespeople to, you know, 500 salespeople. Um, it's a kind of business that has, people in the business who are selling. Um, I do do some work with entrepreneurs, but my, my primary area is those areas where people are selling, they're acknowledging that they're selling, and they want to change their results. And normally the very first thing that I'll do is I'll actually go in and spend some time in the business. And the reason for that is because I think that sales is really about three things. It's about your people conversations. So if I don't know the conversations that people are having with you know, that business is, you know, between the business and their clients, then I don't know that I can help. The second thing is about the process. And quite often that's not just in the hands of the salespeople or the director. Um, you know, sometimes there isn't any process. 
but you know it's about understanding are the processes in place in the business to actually support the sales um, cycle and sales approach that's, that's going on there and I think the third thing you know it's about it's about that passion and actually to be honest with you you know this is where I get really excited because you know if you are in whatever business you're in I, I love working with people who are passionate about their success and that really is what will drive your sales results just ha harnessing that into those conversations that you have and the process that you work within so yeah so normally I'll go in I'll do spend a bit of time um you know finding out and unpacking what's actually going on and then I normally come back with a series of recommendations and I've got to be really honest with you Bob those recommendations will involve support from myself but often they'll involve things actually just within the business themselves that people can do themselves without any additional support really because sometimes there's I mean you know what it's like you get a fresh pair of eyes in and actually there's three or four quick wins there straight away um yeah yeah and I think you know when you can do that you're you're immediately providing value um, and people want to work with you because they see that you're an expert in your field. Um, and then what I do next will really depend on what those requirements are. So it might be training, it might be putting together a strategy, it could be all sorts. That's what I enjoy about, about what I do. You know, it could be so many different things. I think one of the things I often see in sales teams, because obviously my personal space is, is marketing, and I, but I engage with sales teams quite a lot. And I often describe it that, marketing is a little bit like the cultivation of the ground and sales is very much the harvest yeah if you don't cultivate the ground you won't have a harvest but if you cultivate the ground and don't harvest then it just all dies on the vine and a lot of the time i go into businesses where there is a sales team but the sales team is possibly what being crude you might call a little dysfunctional um, <laughs> sales teams tend to be a little bit like families where the sales director's daddy and he's got his nice team and he likes this team they're his friends but because they're his friends they're not really optimal there's no process or accountability there i mean there is at a certain level but not at the kind of level that will really drive performance how do you break through that kind of fragile relationship to really get down to what's going to make a difference it's really interesting you say that. I think uh, dysfunctional family as well with regards to marketing. I think it's always really interesting you go into businesses and if the sales aren't being, team aren't being successful, they'll always say, oh, well, it's because the leads we're getting from marketing are rubbish. And then the marketing team will say, well, that's because your sales team are doing such a bad job with the leads that we um, produce. So I don't know if you've come across that before, but I always think there's a little bit of friction there, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I absolutely understand what you're saying there. So I think that the challenge that anybody um, walking into a business, and, and I, I work with lots of different types of businesses, lots of different sizes, lots of different types of people. I think the challenge that anybody has is actually not just getting in there and seeing what's going on, but actually identifying what the key drivers are to um, you know, drive the change that you want to see in effect. And I think with sales teams especially, Quite often, people in that area will have, you know, already have an approach to selling. They will quite often already perceive themselves as successful. They will quite often uh, maybe feel that there's nothing new out there for them. That you know they don't. They're already doing a great job. Why would they want to do something different? And actually, I think that's one of the things that um, I really thrive on because I love people. 
I absolutely love people. And actually, some of what I need to do is to sell to the people in those sales teams the benefit of trying out some of the new ideas or approaches that I'm bringing into them. So it's more, you know, when I'm actually going into a business, quite often I'm having to sell ideas and approaches to the very people involved here. Um, so, you know, because I think that's part of the thing, especially when you're going to go and train people or give them a new skill set. If people aren't on board with that, then, you know, they're just going to have a nice day out, drink the coffee and, and that's it really. You know, you need people to buy in. You need people to say, wow, this is great. I can see how this will make a difference. And I think my entire approach is about, um, look, my my role is, oh, this is my one of my favourite words, my role is to bring a smorgasbord of ideas, of new approaches, of things you can try. Your job is to pick the three or four things that you can do and really give them a go and implement them in real life. Because I think that different people will um, do things in different ways and, and that's great. You want to use that as a strength rather than trying to put everyone into a box and say you've got to do it this way. So yeah, it, it is a bit of a challenge. The great thing is though, if you get a sales team on board, wow, you can you can really make a difference. You can really motor if you've got everyone pointing in the same direction. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that sort of change in the in the businesses that you work in. Sometimes. I think one of the things that I see very often is businesses that are successful despite themselves. <laughs> the, I work a lot in the oil and gas sector and sometimes there's very few suppliers of a particular thing in the market so they have they've each got a reasonable market share and they're doing generally well but not realizing that if they were simply to go at it with some energy rather than simply wait for the orders to come in they could really do probably double their numbers without that much challenge yeah it's um, it's difficult as well i think you know competitor challenge is you know, a fantastic thing in the marketplace because it pushes you, it pushes you, it pushes your team, it pushes your business. And sometimes if you haven't got, you know, that, that competitor chomping at your heels, um, then, you know, maybe you are missing some of those those easier wins. Um, yeah. Completely understand. And I have, I, have, I have another example that springs to mind of a, a company that is doing extremely well in a very competitive market. Uh, but again, there's no real sales process there. And if there were, you just knew that they would be unleashed. So it's, yeah, I'm, I may be having some conversations with them. It, it's an in, it, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one as well, because I think, you know, the, the other thing is, is I, I work quite a lot in um, like the, tech set, the, the tech sector, you know, like sort of um, technology, software, all that kind of thing. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because it moves really fast. And, you know, I quite mm. like that really buzzy, fast paced, you know, what, what's coming up, what's new. Wow, we've, it's changed again. There's some new stuff out, you know, exciting, exciting, exciting. Um, what's quite interesting is I think especially when you look at some of those fast growth businesses, you know, quite often over the space of just a couple of years, they might have gone from one or two people um, to maybe 30, 40, 50. And what that means is they've moved so fast that even just trying to keep up with the selling or the marketing or any of these things um, is, is more than enough to keep everyone busy all day, every day. And I think it's really difficult because I think, you know, at that point you get to a certain point and you kind of run out of rope on that. 
and you do need a proper process and you do need a proper proper approach because otherwise it all starts to fall apart because the teams get too big to manage verbally you know the person at the top who wants it done a specific way no longer has that direct access because there's more layers of management um and that is absolutely something that i see businesses that are being successful and they're being successful they're doing great but actually that lack of structure and the commitment to a, a solid sales approach is is actually holding them back more than they can sometimes see themselves so yeah i absolutely identify with that so one of the things i'm wondering because you go into lots and lots of different sales teams you must be you must see trends and i'm curious to know do you have like a list of three or four things that you can pretty much guarantee are holding a sales team back if they haven't had any kind of structured sales training of your flavor before yeah um uh, yeah completely it's always like a hit list isn't it um i mean is a is a general rule i think that one of the things that i see increasingly at the moment is people are hiding sales people are hiding and they're hiding behind email and social media email and social media is a great enabler and it can be fantastic to start to warm leads up but then what happens is people start to hide behind it because i'm a firm believer in conversations conversations are what move things moves things forward um and as soon as your salespeople are sending 47 emails a day and not picking up the phone um then actually you're missing a real opportunity there because really if you've got some you know a, a warm opportunity why not pick up the phone and have a conversation because you never know where that's going to take you um so yeah i think one trend is massively sort of hiding behind that that emails and social media because actually i would i think we went through a period where people weren't like calling out as much in businesses because the you know other businesses and consumers were really exhausted by that approach but actually increasingly that's no longer the case and it's no longer the case because i mean if even if you just think yourself you know how many emails did you have in your inbox yesterday versus how many phone calls you had you know a phone call can give you instant access and quite often you might be one of only three or four phone calls during the day rather than one or 200 emails sometimes so i think done properly you know those sales conversations um can sometimes be a really really good way to to fast track some of your sales approaches so that's definitely one thing i would say is is going on out there i think the second thing is um, and again, I see this all of the time. People don't get commitment to what's going to happen next. So, you know, if you're having a conversation, at the end of that conversation, what are we going to agree is going to happen next? And too often, salespeople don't get that nailed down. So that's when you end up chasing people either by email or by phone, um, you know, for another face-to-face -face meeting or whatever it might be. But again, that's a real, a real thing that I see. And actually, to my mind, if you haven't got that next step agreed, and it needs to be agreed, because there's no point me saying, let's do this, and you going, no, I don't want to do that. You know, that's, that's not an agreed next step. You know, it's got to be mutually agreed. If you haven't got that, then really, you know, you're no longer in a sales process. You're now just having a chat, which is great, but, you know, you can't pay your mortgage with hope. You can't hit your sales target <laughs> with hope. You, you need some certainty. So I would definitely say those couple of things are like massive. Um, and I think the third thing is that I see is that 
Um, salespeople quite often slide into this trap of one size fits all. They forget to personalize because they're dealing with lots of people, um, you know, or they've been in, or because they've been in an industry or an area for an awful long time, they make lots of assumptions um, and they, you know, make lots of assumptions. They don't ask great questions and they um, use this one size fits all. And in this day and age, you know, to my mind, that that's not good enough. People want more than that these days. You've got to get personal. You've got to be meaningful and you've got to offer value. So, yeah, and they're, they're my top three trends. I didn't even know I had a top three trends, Bob. Turns out I did. Yeah, you, you can have those. <laughs> so my next question, I'd like to turn it around to the very small business, the micro business, the solopreneur. Yeah. Because many of my listeners are very small entrepreneurs, micro agency owners, creatives, people like that. And they have a different challenge when it comes to selling. And that's generally going to be they have no sales training. They just know they need to hustle for some money. Absolutely. What kind of barriers do you see to in, in the average sort of smaller business? It, it, um, yeah, it's you know what? This is this is something that's like really close to my heart. And it's it, and it, it really stems from when I first stepped up, like sort of set up as a business and I went out and met people you know, he'd also just set up in business, like in my local area. And um, people find selling so hard, so hard. And, you know, it used to break my heart because people would be like the best web designer in the world or like the greatest marketeer. Um, but they were really struggling and they were really struggling because they didn't know how to sell. And I think it is one of those things when, you know, when people set up in business for themselves, set, like selling themselves and sales isn't necessarily the first thing they think about. But actually without it, you're a bit dead in the water. So I tend to find that the biggest challenge there is that um, people get in the way of themselves. I think people quite often feel um, difficult about, you know, saying, I'm great, you should give me some money to work with me, <laughs> you know, to be quite honest. I think that that one statement is, is actually really hard for people. And for that reason, I think people, again, they hide, they do lots of marketing, um, they do lots of stuff on social, but actually they are sometimes really hard to buy from. And there's some amazing people out there who are kind of like hiding their light under a bushel because it's almost like the fear thing. I mean, I don't know what you come across, but that's very much sort of like how I, you know, sort of how I've sort of experienced it. Have you, have you experienced the same sort of thing? I think I see imposter syndrome yeah. everywhere I go and even places you don't think you would find it. It's there. I, I speak to people at every level of their game and the, I hear the same thing again and again. Uh, imposter syndrome really gets in the way. I really like what you said about being hard to buy from. Yeah, that's absolutely that, that's such a an important point. If you don't have a sales journey for people to take, they're not going to take it. Yeah, and I think that some of this is as well. And I mean, I think especially service businesses, I think, you know, it's a little bit different if you're selling a product. But if you're a service business, I think that if you are struggling to sell like today, right, this is the stuff that you need to do. The first thing you need to do is you need to turn your services into products and, you know, productize, uh, which is a, it's a really complicated word. But essentially, the, the challenge that you've got when you're selling a service is that you can do anything for anybody, and that's just too fluffy. 
So to me, the first thing you really need to do is come up with two or three product offerings. And that might be, you know, if you're a website de designer, you know, offer, offer A might be, I will create a one-page website which has, um, you know, up to 1,000 words of copy on it, up to, you know, 12 photos in one downloadable lead magnet or, or, or whatever. And that is for an all-in price of X amount of money. You know, sit, think about how you can put things in a box and how you can sell them like that because it makes it easier for you to sell because all of a sudden you're not selling yourself, you're selling a product. So that takes some of that psychological stuff off it. But the other thing is actually you're easier to buy from because when people say, what do you do? You say, I design websites and they go, great, tell me more about that. And you say, well, really, we do that in three different ways. One is we do a one-page website. Two is we do a five-page website. You know, three is we do a fully bespoke um, custom website. It doesn't mean that that's all that you've got to sell, but straight away you're going to find that level of clarity makes it easier for people to buy off you. And I think I think that's like a really big top tip um, to actually make that step and just pack those things that you're selling with loads of value um, because all of a sudden you've got something to talk about it also means you can fast track through the sales process instead of saying, oh, well, I'll go away and have a think about it and I'll come back and do something custom. And by that point in time, it's all gone cold. It means you can go straight and say, right, there's three ways you can work with me like this, like this, like that. Which one do you prefer? You can be a little bit more um, assertive around that. I think the second thing is that people get really tied up about their pricing. And the, the thing about that is, is that people don't practice. I'm a massive believer that you need to, you know, if it's a thousand pounds, you need to say package A is a thousand pounds and you need to practice it until it's so easy for you to say that. Um, whereas instead what happens is because we haven't practiced it, we go and package A is, um, it's a thousand pounds and we kind of do that. <laughs> oh no what they're gonna say they're gonna hate me for it they're never gonna buy it so we need to just get really comfortable with like actually talking about the numbers in the context of what we sell um because your tone and how you say that will impact the result that you get off the person you're talking to um and i think the third thing is for me if the you know you're looking to change and that's sort of where you are and you feel really uncomfortable about selling you really need to think that actually you're not really a salesperson. You're just actually a problem solver. Because really all that we're doing as salespeople is saying, I can solve your problem. This is how I solve it. And this is the amount of money involved. And actually, can you imagine, like, if someone's got a problem, they want it solved. <laughs> um, so I think that even just thinking yourself, actually, which problems do I solve? I solve these problems. These are, this is how I solve it and this is how much money it costs. Almost by not doing that, you are doing a disservice to people. And I think that if you can change the way you think about that, that again is going to change your approach entirely. I, I identify a lot with that. I think the productizing, absolutely. I think when I've done that in my business, it suddenly makes everything much more easy to talk about getting used to saying your price, I think this is something that you need to come back to again and again because I was used to saying my price, but now I do something different. I found ram right back at when it actually comes to say the number, 
-hmm. it doesn't just quite come the way you would like it to and that hesitation sows the seed of doubt in in the client's mind Um, and I think yeah coming back to that again and again is really important which kind of brings me on to my next question which is most business owners they get used to selling the same thing to the same people and there comes a point where your expertise you would think potentially could open the door to leveling up if you see what I mean Mm -hmm. but that leveling up often never happens because you're stuck in this routine of selling this to that guy and it needs a whole different sales approach a lot of the time because you might need a different set of proposals you might need to be pitching in a different way what experience do you have of helping businesses sort of through that leveling up journey if you see what i mean yeah it's it's a really interesting one that as well because again that comes back to a little bit like what i was saying before you know if you're a business that you know a fast-moving business you know let's say your normal customer base is spending i don't know a thousand pounds with you and they look like you know fred <laughs> you now want to start to sell the bob and have an average sale value of five thousand pound that can feel like a very big um, jump. And actually people get very scared about it. I think people get really scared about it. They think, well, we couldn't take on a, one of those bigger clients because like, how would we manage? Would they really value us? And again, it, you start on that whole self-doubt thing. Um, the way that I really um, have encouraged people to approach that is if you want to start to sell you know, um, bigger packages, you know, more money, to bigger businesses, then I think the number one thing you can do is actually go out to your existing clients and say that, and you know, pick a couple of your you know great friends who you do work with because we all have like business buddies that we do work with, and I would say, look, you know, what I'm really looking to do now is I'm looking to work with some different types of businesses. I would now really like to work with some businesses that look like this. Who do you know that you could introduce me to? And I think that that's a really nice way of doing it because from your point of view, you get a very warm introduction and that's really helpful because it means that straight away you're getting a warm introduction, you're getting a, um, a recommendation alongside that by the very virtue of it um, being an introduction. Um, and I think that it gives you the opportunity to start to have some new conversations. I think one of the challenges is sometimes that when we're going to do that, we think that the problems of these new people are the same as the problems that we're already solving. And sometimes those problems are actually different because of the scale of the business or because of the size of the business. And actually just getting an introduction and having starting a conversation can be a great way to do with just one or two businesses to start to feel out, look, is it the same problem or is it a different problem that I'm solving here? The other thing I think to think about is to is about flexing your offering because quite often as you move up into larger businesses, some of the little tiny value adds that you've previously done at no charge for maybe your smaller clients all of a sudden become things that you can actually productize and sell in their own right because within a bigger business, they're having a bigger impact and therefore have a bigger value. So I think it's also an opportunity to revise and review exactly what you're currently offering and think about, you know what, if I'm delivering that outcome with this little value add, then really, how do I start to capitalise upon it? Um, I do think, though, it's not as hard as people think. 
it's just about opening some conversations because once you're talking again, as soon as you've got a two-way conversation going, even if it's 15 minutes, that 15 minutes will be gold dust because not only will it start to give you a real understanding of what that new audience looks like, but also of exactly where you can add even more value than you already are. Is, is that something that like, you've done within your business before, Bob? Yes, yes, it absolutely is. I mean, my business used to be predominantly a digital marketing agency. That was what we mostly did. Lots and lots of websites, lots of everything else you can imagine. And when you go through this process of leveling up, everything's alien and the competitors are much, much bigger and much more experienced. Yeah. And you, it's it's hard to get orientation in there. And you're absolutely right. The thing that allowed the orientation was good, honest, open conversations with companies that were just willing to have a chat about exploring what they need with you doesn't have to be a direct sales conversation absolutely it can just be a supportive conversation about well this is what we do this is how it works so that when you do find yourself in a situation you you have the orientation sometimes that's all it needs I think the other thing is as well is that when you're right when you're moving into that sort of marketplace as well it can feel like with loads of competitors they're all bigger than you they all know more than you they've all been doing it longer than you I think there's also a key benefit that people have stepping into that space and that is that they're bringing a fresh pair of eyes. They're probably going to be, you know, generally more agile because they've been having to work with more, you know, more clients with more varied situations. So, you know, there's sometimes a real, you know, fresh set of eyes, fresh set of insight there. And actually also, I think um, a new approach um, you know, quite often people are excited about that. And I know some of the, the really big businesses that I work for, um, you know, I work for some, you know, very big corporates. Um, and there's only me. There is only me. You know, I don't have a team of trainers or anything like that. It's only me. Um, the, the benefit that I really bring to them is that fresh approach. The fact that I'm actually not a big business in my own right. The fact that I haven't got a one size fits all approach. And actually, you can leverage that. You can really leverage your own USP. So I think the other thing is some of the things that sometimes people see as a disadvantage um, can actually be a real advantage when you start to think about them the other way around. The fact that you don't look like the other competitors, you know, that's actually really exciting for people. Isn't it exciting? Someone new, someone different, you know, that is going to do things in a new, different way and deliver a different set of results. So um, I think some of it is as well about thinking about those things that you're concerned about and really thinking about, okay, so how do I leverage that to be to my benefit? Um, because I would have said when I first started up my business, I wouldn't have expected to be able to work with some of the businesses that I currently do because there's just me and like a little virtual team um, but actually it's entirely possible it's just about playing that point of difference really in like working it really really hard so this kind of brings me on to my next question which is what does your own sales process look like <laughs> oh you want all my secrets <laughs> no no i just so... just a general a general walkthrough of what what does that landscape look like for you Okay, so you've probably noticed if you've been anywhere near stalking me that my marketing isn't fabulous. Um, so my marketing uh, is uh, not brilliant. One of the reasons that I've managed to get away with that is because I'm very strong in the sales area. So for me, it's all about relationships. Um, I have um, 
I have a very wide network and I work very hard to keep in touch with it. But when I say to keep in touch with it, what I mean by that is it's about personal outreach and communication. So quite often that'll be, you know, personal messages on LinkedIn. It'll be emails. Um, it'll be phone conversations. So if you like about, if you look at like the top of my funnel, that is all outreach, but it's all personal outreach, um, which I find is is really beneficial because once you have those relationships in place not only does that start to bring people further into the funnel and you know sort of like bring them through your sales process but the other thing is actually you can be seeding if you like business for the future that you don't even know you are so let me give you an example um one of the um pieces of work that um I'm, I've actually been out talking to you today. I know we've had a, a conversation. I was, I was at a prospect meeting today. Um, it was actually on the back of somebody who um, I had got involved with via a client. I kept in touch with them, kept in touch with that business, kept in touch with that business. So I just, there was no opportunity for me there, but I just kept in touch with this guy. And what then happened within that business was they were talking about wanting to change some sales results. And this guy said, you need to speak to Victoria. You need to have a conversation with him. They kind of gone, well, who's she? And they'd got, he'd gone, let me send you her details across. So what that meant was that somebody who I hadn't actually done any business with, but I had built a relationship with, actually then made a very warm introduction for me. And that now is, um, you know, sort of a little way down the line here. Um, we're just talking now about the dates that we're going to deliver on a little bit later this year. And that was actually conversations that started about two years ago. So I think that for me, you know, sales is all about relationships. It's about those people conversations. Um, and I think that this is the bit where you can be seeding business left, right and centre just with the relationships you build and by being very clear about what you do. The other thing that I'm not afraid to do, Bob, I'll be really honest, I'm not afraid to pick up the phone. So if I get to a point where I have some gaps in my diary and I think, mm, okay, I could do with, you know, sort of looking for some training work or, you know, there might be some other people who would like to join my entrepreneur's program or whatever it might be. Um, I will absolutely pick up the phone now and like, you know, ring people and go, hi, <laughs> how are you? I would expect nothing less. <laughs> And then people go, who the heck is this woman? And I go, I'll tell you what, don't worry about who I am. Just meet me for coffee. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I think this, some of this is about, you know how I said earlier on, it's about working out what works for you. And what works for me is, um, you know, I'm quite bright. I'm quite cheerful. Um, and, you know, I use that to my advantage to say, oh, come on, we'll have a quick coffee. It'll be great. Because I know that if I can get sat down with people, then I can really start to have the conversations that are going to let me, um, you know, identify what problem they need me to solve. I think that's really, really interesting. And one question I regularly ask guests is what proportion of their work is sort of inbound through content marketing, outbound through proactive sales activity, and what proportion is referral based, if you see what I mean? Yeah. Because it, it's generally a mix of those three. And you have answered that question. But what's quite interesting is just about everybody, even the sort of hardcore internet marketers, will generally always have a bias towards referral mm -hmm. or outbound, especially those who are really clearly on a growth path. And that sort of steers the question, not for everybody, but for some people, 
becoming proactive about your sales is is one of the three pillars and absolutely there will come a time and I, this is i speak from personal experience mm-hmm. my i grew an agency to the point where i was spending all my time doing sales and i I had plenty other things that I, plenty other places I could be bringing my personal value, and it wasn't really as a salesman. So how do you advise small businesses, micro businesses, to bridge that gap between being the sales guy, and maybe bringing somebody else in to do it? Would you advise actually hiring somebody, hiring somebody part time, full time, or outsourcing? It's it, there probably isn't a one size fits all. Yeah, but I think it would be an interesting conversation. Yeah, it, it, and you're right, there isn't a one size fits all. What I found really interesting is depend on the size of business. People are desperate to outsource. You know, they want to outsource their sales. They just want to sit and just do the work and to, um, you know, grow the business and do the stuff that they really set up a business to do. And I completely get that. Um, what I will say is, is that sometimes that eagerness and enthusiasm to outsource isn't doesn't always deliver the results that you're really looking for for your business um and i think that you know the real benefit that you've got if it's your business is that nobody nobody i dispute anybody to sell promote and love your business as much as you do because you love it you're passionate about it you care about it so whether you know it or not that's giving you a great secret weapon it also means that you can answer any question that's thrown at you which realistically if you leverage it properly should mean you can fast track any sales process you're entirely right though if people are getting stuck in this sales mode and i think that really for me this is about um you know you're asking about my sales process i have like a bit of a sales recipe and i think everyone should have their own sales recipe whether you're a giant organization or a small organization or you know if it's just you like you know if like me you're just you're just one person with a little bit of a virtual team and and in fact the smaller you are the even more important it is for you to have your own sales recipe and this is an understanding of what activity you are doing is resulting in the sales. So, for example, um, I've just said to you, you know, I know that if I have a certain number of conversations every week, by default, that will generate me a certain amount of business over the month, the quarter, and the year, because I track those numbers. So, what that means is, and um, I can build a sales recipe that says, for me to continue to be successful for the rest of this year, for example, I need to be having five proactive new conversations every week so that's part of my sales recipe um another part of my um sales recipe is around face-to-face events i quite often go to events not just um around developing more my own business but i go to industry events um around sales because i know sales directors sales managers so on and so forth are going to be there which is going to going to help me make some new relationships and out of interest like the best thing to do is just to go and stand in the coffee queue like totally you know you go any event (laughs) i mean this is honestly this is my biggest like thing if you're going to go to an event i know you go for self-development but if you're actually there to prospect you know it can be a bit intrusive and rude sometimes you've got to be careful how you pitch it so how i do it is I find the biggest coffee queue in the venue and I stand at the back of it and I wait in the queue and then I turn around the person behind me and I go, goodness, this is a really long queue, isn't it? And by the time I've got the front of that queue, guess what? I've made a new friend, I've made a new relationship and I've now got a cup of, cup of coffee. 
at that point in time, I'll then tag along with that person and hopefully meet a few other people that they're with. And when I've finished that, guess what I'm going to do next? I go back to the back of the coffee queue. (laughs) And I do the same again. You've got a nap. You've got a really good, like, you know, easy opening. You know, it's really busy, isn't it? Have you been to any of the seminars? Which did you enjoy? Which speaker did you think was the best? Tell me all about it. It's a really natural way and an easy way to open a new relationship. So I really like going to events. So again, over a year, there, there was a number of events that I will go to. I've got like a target number of events to go to in order to, to again, build my network, meet those new people, open those new conversations. Um, it might also be, um, and again, I don't do so much of this, but you know, if you're, if you're doing marketing, you know, how many emails do you need to send to, to which people, you know, to generate an inbound response? How many people in LinkedIn do you need to connect with and start new conversations with? It could be any of these things. You know, how many networking events do you have to get to? The trick is to actually look at all of your activity and identify, in order to get one sale out of this activity, I need to do you know, 20 phone calls or I need to do 50 networking events or whatever it might be. And I think once you've got that, you can then work out where your time's best spent. Because quite often when I'm speaking to people who say like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so busy, I haven't got time for the sales bit. That's one thing they say, or they say, I haven't got time to do the work. I'm so busy on the sales bit. And I think really, if you analyze which activity is generating your sales, then you can distill it down into almost a recipe that you can just rinse and repeat every single day. So, you know, if if I said to you today, okay, Bob, you know, we've analyzed everything you do in order for you to be successful at the level that you want to be, you need to um, make one sales phone call every day attend one event every two months and you need to send um, two lots of marketing emails every month then actually that's pretty achievable isn't it yeah absolutely but you see what I think happens is people don't know that they don't track this so instead it's like splat a good approach they try and do all of the things all of the time um, which just bogs up your time it doesn't actually give you the results so I think massively it's about finding a sales recipe. And the other thing is a sales recipe is then repeatable and then you can start to look at handing it off to somebody. If you're just doing a splat the gun approach and you pass it on to somebody else, guess what they're going to do? They're going to do a splat the gun approach without all of your expertise and passion. They're not going to do as good a job as you're even managing. So, um, you know, once you get your recipe, that can maybe something that you can start to think about passing on. But you have to know what's driving your sales success before you can can pass it on <laughs> that's really really good advice it, it sounds really obvious as well when you say it but it it it's it's one of those really obvious things when you think about it but i think people just don't think about it really they avoid it because mm. it's sales <laughs> yeah no, i think people get very emotional and uptight about sales it's um and it's quite understandable because at the end of the day no sales no money no mortgage yeah absolutely and it and it's such a big thing but equally it's the thing that if you if you actually put a little bit of work into that you can change your results and you know wouldn't it be great to know your mortgage was paid every month wouldn't it be great to know you can go on holiday this year and all it takes is a little bit of focus i think the great thing is in some ways for so many people people are starting from such a low starting point with sales even just doing a little bit will have a really big impact on that on that end result you know on the money that's coming through Victoria, we're probably coming towards the end of our time now. Yeah. Um, this has been really, really good. 
as I mentioned to you earlier, I'm trying to remember to ask every guest my signature question. And I've forgotten a couple of times. So anybody <laughs> that's listening, waiting for it, I'm really sorry about that. But what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? Um, I think... And to I, anybody listening, I didn't give Victoria <laughs> much warning. Okay, so I actually think there's, there's possibly two things here, but I'll, I'll be brief. The first thing is um, getting a VA or getting someone to help you. Like, you can't do it all yourself. And I massively wish I'd done that earlier. I've got a great VA. Um, I wish I'd done that so much sooner because it, it would have made my life so much easier. And I think that the second thing is getting very, very clear about exactly who it is that you actually want to speak to and who it is you want to work with. Um, I think when we all first start, we're a little bit foggy around that. And the answer to that is anyone who will pay us. But I think increasingly um, it becomes much easier to identify the people that, you know, you actually should be working with. And I wish that was something that I'd listened to my gut about almost and done a lot sooner rather than still trying to please all the people all the time. <laughs> Again, that's brilliant advice. Victoria, if people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? I would love people to come and find me on LinkedIn. It is my home of choice. I am on Twitter, but I find Twitter very confusing. So come and find me on LinkedIn and come and have a conversation with me. I promise not to sell you anything. But as I've already said, you know, life is all about people and conversations. So get in touch with me um, on LinkedIn. I think my LinkedIn profile is like LinkedIn forward slash Victoria Fleming. So I'm easy. Um, and I would love to, um, yeah, talk to some new people, get some new friends. Why not? Well, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you're listening, just go and find it there and click on it and connect with Victoria. Victoria, you have been a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, Bob, it's been great speaking to you. So um, thanks so much. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you next time we meet at an event. doesn't matter where you sell it might be social media or it might be up close and personal but you need to sell getting a little more systematic on the one hand and courageous on the other might be all it takes for you to really move the dial before i go just a quick reminder to subscribe and if you haven't already to join our facebook community you can find a link in the show notes or just head over to amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders I'd love for you to connect with me on social media. Follow me wherever you hang out. You'll find me there at Bob Gentle. And if you do, then message me and I'll follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Victoria Fleming for giving us her time this week and to you for listening. See you next week.